Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. who walk an unknown path do so with two companions wonder and fear this is where I find myself with new pages being written as I'm shuttled across the stars this is my first audio log since leaving the station. It's been one week since they took me. One week I've been on their ship. I was hesitant to attempt a recording earlier. I didn't want to be caught with the blue drive, but it seems they're not concerned with me here, barely paying me any mind. I haven't decided yet whether or not this bodes well in the long run. From what I gather, if they were to find my blue drive, assuming they aren't already aware of it, they'd view it as nothing more than a caveman with a stick. I don't know what their plans are for me, why I'm here, where I'm going. They haven't been hostile outright, but not friendly either. They've made no attempts to communicate with me. I'm restricted to my own eight by 10 room. They come in twice a day to offer food. I wish I could share the details of a rich, unimaginable alien cuisine, but it's not the case. For lack of a better word, it's slop. It has no taste, no texture, it's bland. It reminds me of the MREs soldiers would eat back in the early aughts. I ask them questions, but they don't answer. I want to be optimistic, but I feel I might be avoiding the fact that I'm a prisoner here. I don't know. There is so much that's running through my head. So many thoughts, so many possibilities. It's hard to know what logic still applies in this new reality. 
A week ago, I was rotting away. I had nothing left to hope for. And now, now I can't help but feel a measure of excitement, a reawakening as I am witness to something previously unimaginable. Two emotions battle within me. I feel wonder, curiosity, excitement for what lies ahead. But then my logical side, my, my worry, gets a hold of me. My soldier instincts kick in. I try to analyze the situation. I'm likely a prisoner on a foreign ship, potentially a captive of enemy hostiles. If I am to assess the aliens as a threat, what options do I have to get to safety? Currently, no escape plan has presented itself, but then I'm not sure if I could bring myself to even reach for one. I want to see where this goes. It may very well be the death of me, but I want to pull on this thread. I want to see where this current leads. What would an alien world look like? What could it look like? Smell like, sound like? My senses were dim for so long. Everything in me had gone numb on the station. Now I'm awake. I am awake and hungry for something greater than myself. I'm eager to see what no human has seen before. Words can't describe that feeling. I've heard them speaking amongst themselves. It's audible. It's unique. It's different from any language I've heard on Earth. But still, the beats are similar. The communication is there. Though in between statements in the midst of the flow of their conversations, there is a hemming sound they make. At first it was jarring to hear, it was distracting. But the more I got used to it, the more I observed this habit, the more I think I understand. When two or more of them are speaking, they break off the discussion with these hymns, these in-sync harmonies. At first I thought it was code or something, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> it's the best I can replicate it. I think it's a bonding method, perhaps even a subconscious one, amidst conversation and exchange of ideas. The hymns connect them in spite of any diverging or conflicting words. The hymns enforce their bond. I've heard them argue to the point of things getting heated, but then when you'd expect it to get physical, when you'd expect it to reach a level you can't come back from, instead, the hymns come out.
calm returns. No matter how advanced we become, no matter how complex our worlds get, no matter how mighty our weapons or how nuanced our thoughts become, what it pays to remember our source, remember our bond to be able to tap into our shared harmony. Maybe that is the path they take in face of conflict. They do have eyes, two of them like us. They have what appears to be for the most part similar facial features. Though they don't ever make eye contact with me or react to any of my words. What's even worse, it doesn't seem like them ignoring me is intentional. It doesn't seem like it's an order they're following. It doesn't feel like there is any effort spent in ignoring me. It feels like it comes naturally. Like I'm not a person, not even a, a pet. More like a, just a plant they need to water. Despite the lukewarm hospitality, Cassie, Lenore, my mind still races with possibilities of what comes next. My imagination is filled with the worlds I may see. But then, a tinge of guilt catches me before my imagination gets too far. I think how whatever I may see, wherever I may be headed, I won't be sharing any of this with either of you. It's the age-old curse of the traveler. Here, the spaceman who finally meets aliens, who gets to discover far-off distant lands, but isn't able to share with his world back home. What's a discovery worth if it's destined to die with the discoverer? Is it wrong for me to be curious, to have hope? For me to be excited for what may come next? Is it wrong to feel these things given the tragedy I've left behind? The weight of what I witnessed stays close to any thought. I mourn for the loss of my world and the uncertain safety of my family. But still, I find myself for the first time in a long time looking forward to the future. And I don't simply mean since the tragedy, it's the first time that I can actually remember that I find myself curious, eager. There is an immense guiltiness in that excitement, but the excitement is there nonetheless. But home, is never far from my thoughts. I wish I could share these thoughts, not just on this recording, but with you both. I wish I could describe where I am, Cassie. You'd light up with a million questions. Lenore, you'd tell me to be careful. <laughs> you'd tell me you were proud of me. And I'd tell you both, I can't wait to see you again. I will find a way.
Each day, that promise sounds more and more impossible. But then still, I look where I am. I blink to make sure this isn't a dream. And I realize the impossible is more a state of mind than anything. What I would give to share this with you both. This desire to share this realization has brought on new regrets, new reflections. I know sharing was never something I was good at. Lenore, how many times you begged to talk, to really talk, and I dismissed it. I had a stable career. I provided for you and Cassie, and I told myself that was enough. But I could see now it wasn't. I can see you deserved more. You needed me to be present. And I know, I know I wasn't able to give you that. And I'm not talking about just being up in space. I discounted so many things about us. I still see the look in your eyes the night before I went up. You pleaded. You said there were things we needed to discuss. I said it wasn't the right time. You shouted through your tears that I was running away, that I was headed to that station to escape reality, to escape what was falling apart in front of us, what should have been my top priority. Our marriage. You weren't entirely wrong. I was avoiding the conversation that night, not because I didn't care, but because part of me still did. I know what you were going to say, Lenore. I thought if I didn't hear the words, if I delayed any real confirmation, I could live in my preferred reality for a little while longer. I could pretend things were just okay enough to get through another day, another week, another lifetime. Who knows what contented misery I was hoping to settle for. We both know I was on autopilot long before the destruction. But I was headed up to space, Lenore. I was headed for isolation. I could push it down, push down what I knew and ignore it for the sake of the mission, for the sake of my sanity. Convince myself I was just making things up that I wasn't sure. But to hear you say it, actually admit it, it would have killed me. You would have been sending a corpse into orbit. But I knew, I knew about our neighbor. I knew about Mark. I had my own suspicions, and in retrospect, some things were clearer than I let myself realize. But Cassie, she hinted at it and said enough during my last stint back home. She didn't want to tell me, but she wanted me to know. 
What a difficult position for a daughter to be in. Carrying a secret that holds both her father's pain and her mother's happiness. Ten years he's been our neighbor. I don't know how long it's been going on for, and I can't say I didn't deserve it to some extent. But I can't say that I forgive you. I wish, though. I wish we did have that talk that night. You deserve to tell me yourself. You deserve to tell me your truth. Your truth now floats in the ether. Stop moving. There are others. They are taking others out. This is incredible. They are all different kinds of alien. They must have collected other lost souls from all over the galaxy. The first prisoner in the line, he's tall, thin, blue skin. He's saying something as they drag him forward. I can't hear it from here, but he's talking fast. He's, he's, he's beside himself, he's screaming. No, he's begging. He, he seems to be pleading with them. They're removing his chains. Oh, he's calmed down, he looks happy. He's almost at peace and they're, they're giving him space. Oh God, they shot him. He's dead. He's dead. Uh, that's... That's what he wanted. Where exactly are we headed that... Death is preferable. Keep on 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.